Good morning, everyone. Good morning. How's everybody today? Good. Well, all right. Let's all stand together. Somebody give the Lord praise or thanks for something he is or does. All right. So I'll say I'm thankful for the, uh, the extra hour we're going to get next week. I think it's next week, right? Get that extra hour because I, I definitely need that. Actually, I need like two or three more hours in every day and I'll be okay. But we'll take that extra one next week. It'll be, uh, it'll be good for me at least. So if nobody else wants to say anything, we're going to read from Psalm 65 today. Go ahead, Dante. He's got his mouth full of a biscuit, so he can't really talk. All right. That's good. That's good, good. Good biscuits. <laughs> Praise the Lord for biscuits <laughs> and gravy. Anyway, to Psalm 65, we'll read from that today. Psalm 65 is uh, for the director of music, a psalm of David, a song. Praise awaits you, our God, in Zion. To you, our vows will be fulfilled. You who answer prayer, to you, all people will come. When we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. Blessed are those who choose and bring, you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. You answer us with awesome and righteous deeds. God, our Savior, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas, who formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength, who stilled the roaring of the seas, the roaring of the waves, and the turmoil of the nations. The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders, Where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. You care for the land and water it, you enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain, for so you have ordained it. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty, and your carts overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the wilderness overflow. The hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks, and the valleys are mantled with grain. They shout for joy 
and sing. So here in this song, this song David reminds us of the, the Lord's care for the earth, the infant, his infinite care. So Jesus told us that not a bird falls from the sky without the Lord knowing it. A lot of people think that God just put this earth together and he kind of just, whatever, just do whatever you want. But he's always watching over the earth. He's always watching over his people. Uh, we come to a God who, who cares for us, knows the very hairs of our head that are numbered. He's numbered the hairs of our head. Obviously, he doesn't have much trouble with me because I don't have that many hairs on my head. But he's numbered all of, our, all of the hairs on our head. He cares for us. And that's what that psalm was telling us all about. So we've come to worship this God today. We're going to sing some songs. But first, let's pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together.
impossible things in your name they shall be
All right, now's the time in the service for communion. Uh, I think most of you have know all about those little cups we have. We have the cup with the wafer and the juice. So um, why do we do communion? Uh, the reason that the Lord told us is in remembrance. Do we do this to remember what he's done for us? We remember that he, his body was broken for us. His blood was shed for us. And we remember the covenant that he's, he's made us a part of. So his body was broken for us. His blood was shed for us so that we could be brought back into unity with God through him. By trusting in him, by becoming a part of his body, we become what God wants us to be in Christ. So we do communion to remember those things. And we also remember that he's coming back to get us. So the Lord not only died for us, he also rose again from the grave. And since he rose from the grave, we know he's alive forevermore, and he promised one day he's going to come back to get us. So as we take communion, what we do is we examine ourselves to make sure that we're living our lives in line with the covenant that we're in with Christ, making sure that we're obeying his commands. If we've not obeyed his commands, then this is the time to confess those sins. And the scriptures tell us if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we're going to do those things uh, as we take, the, take communion together. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for sending your son to this earth to become a human being, to live a sinless life, to suffer and die for us, and then rise again from the grave so that through our union with him, we can be brought back into relationship with you. Lord, I pray as we take this communion together, this remembrance which you've given us, help us to examine our hearts, Lord. Show us things in our, in our lives that are not in line with your will and give us the grace to turn from those things. And we ask it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.
Good morning. Now is the time in the service for announcements. Um, I've kind of mixed things up outside a little bit, but um, hopefully you'll find it. It's not a scavenger hunt or anything, but <laughs> um, if you have pill bottle donations and you'd like to bring them here so we can um, give them to Matthew 25 Ministries, we'd be happy to do so. There's a plastic bin out in the foyer. Uh, we also collect used ink cartridges. They can be any size, any style. Um, don't throw them away. Bring them in. It helps to reduce um, office supply costs here at the church. Food Pantry Closed Closet is every Thursday from 5 to 7. If you'd like to donate any of the items, there's a list there of most frequently needed items. Donations can be dropped off during the church service on Sundays um, or on Thursdays 5 to 7. If you want to help serve or just come and see what we do, we'd be happy to have you. Refit free dance fitness class on Tuesdays and Thursdays, 6.30 to 7.30, right here in the sanctuaries for men and women. <laughs> Breakfast is better when we eat together. Breakfast Fellowship is the first Sunday of the month, which is next Sunday um, at 9.30. If you'd like to bring something, please talk to Carol. Empty Nesters Bible Study um, continues their book series. It's at Ruth Liming's house on Thursdays at 10 a.m., New slide here, greeting card ministry. It's uh, sending cards to be intentional. Um, it's an intentional practice of sending cards to lift up and encourage those we care about. Uh, Ruth Liming is in, in charge of that. If you have questions, please see her. Light Up Goshen Parade is Saturday, November 19th. Um, there's a sign-up sheet on the welcome table in the foyer um, if you would like to serve or donate chili. Thanksgiving Community Dinner is going to be hosted here at Heartland Christian Church. Um, we are partnering with Bluebird Bus of Hope, and um, it is Wednesday, November 23rd. It's going to be between 6 and 8 p.m. We need people who, to come and serve and be um, a part of the church as we're witnessing to the community coming in. We need people to serve the food. We need people to make the food behind the scenes and to just be praying about the event. We appreciate it. Ties and offerings can be given in person. Um, in the back of the sanctuary is an offering box. It can also be given online. The Bible asks that you give cheerfully so we can continue all these efforts that we do in the community. Weekly budget is listed here and some of the outside ministries that we support. That's all I have. Thank you. Sorry. Ten-minute meet and greet starts now. Your light is greater, you light our way, God, you light our way. When evil is rising, you're rising higher, with power to save, with power to save. You keep hope alive, you keep hope alive from the beginning to end. 
darkness tries to hide and trembles at his voice, trembles at his hate to break up the good fellowship going on here, but 
We got to get to the Word. We got to get, well, yeah, right. we say 15 minutes next week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, so we'll, that, that's like a, uh, the seventh inning stretch right there, right? You get up to, so you get prepared to sit through the Word. But, you know, to me, this is uh, one of my favorite parts of it. We get to hear from God. We hear, through his, uh, hear from Him through His Word. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty good stuff. But I will say this week, it was uh, kind of tough. The, the passage that's here, I didn't really know what direction to go with it. There's a lot of stuff there that, you know, trying to pick this makes sense. and that doesn't make... So anyway, this one was a tough one for me this week. And so I, I, I'm pretty sure I got to where uh, I, I figured out what Paul's talking about and we're going to talk about today. So we're going to continue our series in Colossians. So let's turn together in our Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. And we're going to read verses 16 through 23. Colossians 2, 16 through 20, 23. When you find that in your Bible, please stand for the reading of God's Word. And the title of today's teaching is, Hold Firmly to Christ. Hold Firmly to Christ. In Colossians 2, 16 through 23, the Scriptures say, Therefore let no one judge you in matters of eating or drinking or regarding a feast day, a new moon observance, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the body belongs to Christ. Let no one rob you of your prize by false humility and a religion of angels, dwelling on things which one has not seen, vainly puffed up by a carnal mind. Such a person is not holding firmly to the head from whom the whole body, being supported and knit together through the joints and ligaments, grows with the growth growth given by God. But if you died with Christ as regards these basic principles of the world, why do you subject yourselves to these commandments as though you were still living in the world? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These things are all destined to perish with use. These are merely human commands and teachings. Indeed, these things have an appearance of wisdom and self-imposed religion, humility, and severe treatment of the body, but they have no value against the indulgence of the flesh. You may be seated. So Paul's been talking to us about the cross and what the cross means for us and what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. Uh, we've seen in this series so far that Paul has dealt with some false teachers. They were coming into the church teaching things that, that weren't true, that would lead God's people away from Christ. He continues that theme here in today's passage. So in today's passage, we're going to learn how to hold firmly to Christ. Because if we don't hold firm to Christ, then we cannot have the life that Christ promised us. There's always a danger that even when we're in the church, people can draw us away from Christ. So we need to make sure that we hold firmly to Christ. And today, we're going to learn how to do that. Let's pray. Lord, we ask you to open up our hearts, open up our minds, so that we can understand your commands. And we ask you to give us grace to obey your commands. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So in Colossians 2.16, Paul wants us to be sure that we don't let anyone judge us based on the old covenant law. And this is what he says in Colossians 2.16. Therefore, let no one judge you in matters of eating or drinking or regarding a feast day, a new moon observance, or a Sabbath day. Now, everything that Paul mentions here is a part of God's law under the old covenant. Through Moses, God commanded his people not to eat, not to drink, not to touch certain foods or objects that were unclean. God also commanded them to keep several feast days, 
new moon celebrations, and Sabbath days, including the weekly Sabbath. And the false teachers in Colossae, well, they were judging the saints in the church because they were not keeping any of those commands. So Paul says, don't let anyone judge you in matters pertaining to the old covenant law, and especially the outward observances required by the law. But why does Paul say this? Well, notice Paul starts Colossians 2.16 with the word, therefore. And when we see the word therefore in the scriptures, we should always ask this question. What is it there for? So everybody say, what is it there for? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. (laughs) So the word therefore means for this reason, right? Or in this case, it means for these reasons. So in Colossians 2.16, Paul's saying, for these reasons, let no one judge you in matters of the old covenant law. And what are those reasons? Well, Paul gives us at least three reasons in Colossians 2.18 through 15, and all of these reasons are based on what we are in Christ. We're not going to cover that whole section, but we will cover a couple of those scriptures. In Colossians 2.9, Paul says, in him, meaning in Christ, all the fullness of deity dwells bodily. In Colossians 2.10, Paul says, in him, in Christ, who is the head of all principality and power, you are made full. And in verses 11 through 12, Paul says, in him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not made with hands by casting off the body of the sins of the flesh and the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him through baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So the reasons we should not let anyone judge us by the standards of the old covenant law are in Christ or in his body, we find the fullness of his deity. In Christ, we're filled with the fullness of his deity. And in Christ, we share in his deity when we're baptized, when we're buried with him in baptism. We're connected with Christ in his death, his burial, and his his resurrection. Our old self is cut away. We're born again, and we rise with Christ to live a new life as part of a new creation in Christ. So for those reasons, Paul says, when we're in Christ, we should never let anyone judge us by the standards of the old covenant law. Those are false standards for us who are in Christ. Because in Christ, old things have passed away and all things have become new. The old covenant has been fulfilled. And all the old covenant law has served its purpose. And what was the purpose of the old covenant law? Well, Paul tells us in Colossians 2.17. He says, these commands of the law are a shadow of the things to come, but the body belongs to Christ. So food laws and the Old Testament feasts and the Sabbath days, all of those things were only a shadow, a shadow of the things that would come in the new covenant. The law was a shadow, and the body that was casting the shadow belongs to Christ. Now, here's what Paul's talking about here. Picture yourself sitting in a chair in a room with no lights. On the other side of the room, in front of you, you see a door outlined by the light that's coming in from the other side, from the outside. Now, someone opens that door, and behind them, you see a brilliant light shining brightly into the room. Now, you cannot see the person's face. You can just see their form, and you can see a shadow on the floor in front of you. The shadow is not the person, but the shadow of the person gives us some idea of what that person 
looks like. Now, if you were to get up from the chair and follow the shadow in the direction from which the light is coming, well, eventually you'd come to the source of that shadow. And you'd find yourself standing face to face with the person who made the shadow. And Paul says that's what the old covenant law was, and especially the outward observances of the law. Those things were a shadow that would eventually lead to the source, to the person, to the body who made the shadow. And as Paul says, that body belongs to Christ. See, God gave the old covenant law to the people of Israel through Moses. And the people of Israel developed a tendency to see the law as a means of salvation. But that was never what God intended. The old covenant law was given until the time that Christ came to fulfill the law and to establish a new covenant. There's a place in, I think it's Galatians, where Paul talks about the law as a, a, uh, a pedagogue, whatever it is. So it's like a teacher or like a, um, like a daycare person, basically, is, is leading you and guiding you to a certain place. So that's what the purpose of the law is, to lead people to Christ where a new covenant would be established. Now, Paul talks more about this in Romans 10, 1 through 4. He says, Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God are for Israel that they may be saved. Certainly I testify about them that they have a zeal for God, but not according to accurate knowledge. Being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the fulfillment of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Now, in some translations, the word, trans, the word translated fulfillment here is translated the end or the goal. So though Israel had tried to use the law as a means of salvation, as a means of becoming righteous, well, the old covenant law could never do that. The law could tell God's people what to do, but it could not give them the power to do it. So humanity needed to be changed. And that change would only come when the lawgiver came and fulfilled all the righteous requirements of the law and created a new humanity himself, and we become a part of that new humanity through the new covenant so that those who are united to Christ can be recreated in the image of God, and we can become the righteousness of God in Christ. Paul says it this way in Ephesians 4, 24, you were taught with regards to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. See, a new humanity created in Christ to be truly righteous like God, well, that was always the end or the goal that the old covenant law was leading us to. The law was given to point people to the one who would come and fulfill the old covenant law, and establish a new covenant built on better promises. A covenant where, as God says in Jeremiah 31, 33, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And as God says in Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you, I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. See, the old covenant law was only a shadow 
of what Christ would accomplish when he came. Through our union with the one who fulfilled the old covenant, well, we now have God's moral law written on our hearts. And we have the Spirit of God in us. And the Spirit of God moves us to carefully obey God's law, the law that he's written on our hearts. To carefully live the righteous lives that the old covenant could demand but could not deliver. Through the new covenant, we have the Spirit of God who enables us to live righteous lives under the new covenant. And that's what Paul's talking about when he says the body belongs to Christ. The law was only a shadow of what Christ would accomplish through the new covenant. So when we follow the shadow of the old covenant law to the source of the shadow, there we find ourselves face to face with the one who gave the law, fulfilled the law, and created something brand new in himself. At the end of the shadow of the covenant of the old covenant law, we find the body of Christ. Now, if you've been paying attention at all over the past eight weeks or so as we study this letter, it's impossible to miss the deeper meaning of Paul's words here. The phrase, the body belongs to Christ, has a double meaning. Now, first, the body of Christ is the human body of the divine Son of God. God's Son truly became a human being. He took on our nature. He truly is human, and He truly is God. And this divine human being, after He'd done everything He did for us, He died and rose from the grave, this divine human being is now and forever exalted to the right hand of the throne of God in heaven. In other words, Christ carried our humanity to the throne of God where he sits, crowned as king, in a physical body. Now, it's a body that's a resurrected body, but it's still a physical body. Now, there's a second meaning of the body belongs to Christ in Paul's writings. Paul's talking about what he says in Ephesians 1, 22 through 23. He says, God put all things in subjection under his feet, talking about Christ, and granted him to be head over all things for the sake of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So the church is the body of Christ. And in the church, we find the fullness of him who fulfilled the old covenant. We find the fullness of them who established the new covenant where God's law would be fulfilled in those who are in Christ. So for the sake of the church, God the Father granted that his son would be head over all things so that through the church, God would fill all things with his glory. The earth will be filled with the glory of God. That's somewhere in the Old Testament. What he's talking about is when Christ comes to establish the church, which he's already done, through the church, he will fill the entire earth with the glory of God. Now, that's, we're in process of that now. It will be completed when Christ returns, but that's the whole purpose of it. Through the church, God is going to fill the world with the fullness of God. It's in the church that we find the new creation. So to try to force people who are connected to Christ in the church and who are part of this new creation, to force them to follow old covenant law is to trade the substance for the shadow. It's the equivalent of talking to somebody's shadow when they're over there, right? We're talking to their shadow. We got the person in front of us. It's the equivalent of trading the fullness of God for something that was incomplete. And this is why in Colossians 2.20 through 20.22, Paul asked this question. But if we died with Christ as regards these basic principles of the world, why do we subject, subject ourselves to these commandments as though we were still living in the world? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These things are all destined to perish with use 
and these are merely human commands and teachings. See, if we're in Christ, if we've been connected with Christ's body through baptism, then we've died to this world with Christ. We no longer belong to this world. We no longer live in this world. We've been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness. We've been transferred into the kingdom of light in the church. And our citizenship is in heaven. We're members of the new creation in Christ. And since that's true, well, why would we submit to commands of a world that we're no longer a part of? Why would we try to use the basic, powerless things of this world to try to live a life of the world to come? No, it just doesn't work. We cannot live the new creation life by the old rules of the old covenant. Everything has got to change. You know, we can avoid eating bacon and pork butt. We can avoid shrimp and scallops. You know, we can keep all the feasts, the festivals, celebrations, and the Sabbaths of the old covenant. We can live our lives, our entire lives, obsessively obeying all the outward ordinances of the old covenant law. And in the end, we can find ourselves perishing right along with the things of this world that perish with use. It just doesn't work. And Paul tells us the reason this is true in Colossians 2.23. He says, indeed, these things have an appearance of wisdom and self-imposed religion, humility, and severe treatment of the body, but they have no value against the indulgence of the flesh. And that last sentence is the biggest thing, the part that's bolded there. The outward observances of the old covenant law and harsh treatment of our body based on those laws, well, they appear wise, you know. You might look like you're humble. You might look like it's a real spiritual thing to do. But doing those things does nothing at all to solve our real problem. Because the real problem is the flesh. It's not our physical body, but the sinful person we were in the world outside of Christ. The body of the sins of the flesh, it needs to be cut off. We need our nature changed we got to become a different person. And that change cannot come through the old covenant law. The change can only come through connection with the body of Christ. See, the change comes when Christ cuts off the body of the sin of the flesh in our baptism. We're changed. We're born again. We're given a new heart. God writes his laws on our hearts, and he gives us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit then moves us and gives us the power to fulfill the righteous requirements of the law. So we're enabled to live the new creation life through our union with Christ in his body, which is the church. So Paul says, don't let people judge you by the standards of the old covenant. Because in Christ, we're under a new covenant. So the only standards that matter for us now are the standards that are given by the Lord Jesus Christ. And we find those standards in connection with his body in his church. See, in the church, we have Christ. In the church, we have the beginning of the new creation. And this is what Paul's talking about in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 17, when he says, Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. This is talking about the people in the world. The old world is what he's talking about. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. 
The old has gone. The new is here. See, since the Lord Jesus was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, suffered and died for our sins and rose again, since he ascended into heaven, where he sits at the right hand of God the Father, since then, everything has changed. See, in Christ, in union with Christ, we become a part of a new creation. He came to do away with the old creation and create something new. So for us, the old, the old creation has passed away if we are in Christ. When we're united with Christ, we're, not, we're no longer a part of the old creation. We're part of the new creation. And eventually, the old creation and everything that belongs to it will be done away with as well. That doesn't mean there's no earth or any of that. It just means it's going to be renewed, right? A renewed earth, a new earth that, that Christ Jesus died to, and rose to, to bring about. And for Paul, when you read his letters, you see that the Old Testament law, the Old Covenant, is now a part of the Old Creation. It's a part of this world that's passing away. As Paul says in Hebrews 8.13, by speaking of a new covenant, God has made the first one old, and what is becoming obsolete and aging will soon disappear. So through the body of Christ, God has made the first covenant old. He's made it obsolete, which that means it doesn't have any... It doesn't do anything for us anymore. Because when we're in Christ, God does not deal with us by the terms of the old covenant. And that's exactly what the false teachers in Colossae were trying to get the people to do. God's still dealing with you on these, on these terms. You need to be circumcised. You've got to keep all these laws. Well, Paul says, no, forget about that. That's been done away with in Christ. The old, the old, um, the old humanity, the old, the old world has been done away with in Christ. So to tell people who are in Christ that they must keep the old covenant law, is now the equivalent of teaching human commands, human teachings, and self-imposed religions. The problem is not with the law. The problem is the way people were applying the law or misapplying the law. See, since, since Christ came, all of what the old covenant pointed to has been and is being fulfilled in the body of Christ, in the church. See, in the church, we find the fullness of what was only a shadow in the Old Testament. In the church, we find Christ in bodily form. The picture has become the person. The shadow is now the substance that we find in the church in Christ. So we should never let anyone judge us by the standards of the old covenant. We're under a new covenant in Christ. And again, the only standards that matter for us are those standards that the Lord Jesus established and handed down to his saints in his body, which is the church. It's those standards that lead us to new life in Christ. Those who insist Christians keep old covenant laws are judging by false standards and should be rejected as false teachers. And in Colossians 2, 18 through 19, Paul shows us why these false teachers ended up becoming false teachers. He says, let no one rob you of your prize by false humility and a religion of angels dwelling on things which one has not seen, vainly puffed up by a carnal mind. Such a person is not holding firmly to the head from whom the whole body being supported and knit together through the joints and ligaments grows with the growth given by God. Now, what is the prize that Paul's talking about here? He's talking about the prize of salvation, the treasure of, of this abundant new life that Christ has come to give us, a life where we're being restored to God's image through our union with Christ and his body. Now, the false teachers were a part of Christ's body, at least at one point. They were members of the church at one point. 
but they had lost connection with the head of the body. Who was the head of the body? They lost connection with Christ. See, they were still gathering with the church, but they were not submitting themselves to the teachings of the head of the church. Again, who's the head of the church? Christ. They weren't submitting themselves to Christ's teachings. But the teaching that Christ had handed down to the apostles, they didn't want to hear any of that. We got something better than the apostles. This is what Gnostic teaching is, by the way. That we got something deeper than the, not, than the apostles. The Lord has revealed some new things to us. So that's what they were doing here in the church. Instead of seeking the mind of Christ and holding to the apostolic teaching, well, these false teachers were teaching things that they had made up, things that came from their own carnal minds. So Paul says, if you lose connection with the head, you lose everything. You got to hold firmly to the head, hold firmly to the teachings of Christ so you're not led astray. And in this passage, Paul's reminding us of what he's already told us in Colossians 1, 21 to 23. He said, in the past, you were alienated and hostile in mind by your evil actions. But now he has reconciled you in the body of his flesh through death in order to present you holy without blemish and blameless before him. This is for you if you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, not moved away from the hope of the good news which you heard. Saints, if we're going to win the prize of salvation, the prize of being found holy and without blemish and free from accusation in God's sight, if we want the hope that's held out for us in the gospel, the hope of sharing in Christ's glory in the age to come, well, the only way to win that prize is by getting attached to and staying attached to Christ's body and the church, and then standing firm in the faith that the apostolic tradition, or standing first firm in the faith or the apostolic let me start this again. Sorry. By standing firm in the faith or in the apostolic traditions that were handed down once for all to the saints in the church. It doesn't do us any good to get attached to Christ if we don't stay connected to him as the head and listen to the teachings that he's passed down to his people. So we've got to keep living out the true faith. There's a lot of people out here today who tell us what Jesus wants and what they think Jesus is and all this. Well, Jesus already told us what he wants. He handed it down to the saints 2,000 years ago. It's been in the church this entire time, right? So we got to be careful and not allow ourselves to be led astray by puffed up people who claim to know more than what the Lord revealed to his apostles in the church. So we got to make sure that we hold firmly to Christ. And as we close, I just want to remind you, in the church we find the faith that allows us to become like God through Christ. In the church, human beings are recreated. We're reborn to bear the image of God that was stripped away from us through Adam and Eve, their sin that they did. So in the church now, we're able to bear the image of God once more as we strip off our old self and put on the new self who is created to be like God in righteousness and holiness. This is the gospel. It's not just about having our sins forgiven. It's about being changed fundamentally changed, becoming new people in Christ. This is the good news. And this is the life we can all have by staying connected with him who is the head. That is Christ. This is the life we can all have by remaining in his church, being a part of his people. Because in the church, we find the power of God, the presence of God, and the fullness of God. In the church, we find everything we need to live the type of life that God wants to live. The church... We find everything that God promised us, everything he promised in the Old Testament, all the plans of the Old Covenant. We find all of those things being fulfilled 
Everything in the Old Testament was pointing to what would be fulfilled in Christ, in his body, which is the church. So let's make sure we hold firmly to Christ. And we do that by holding firmly to the apostolic traditions we can only find in the church. Don't anyone, let anyone rob you of, your prize, of, of the prize of salvation through empty philosophy. Don't let anyone judge you by false standards, by insisting that you keep the old covenant. And don't let robbers steal your salvation through false teaching. Today and always, let's make sure that we hold firmly to Christ. Let's all stand for prayer. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you for what you've done for us, uh, coming to this earth and dying for our sins, rising again, so we can become uh, what you want us to be in Christ. Lord, I pray that the things we've heard here today, that we will begin to live in that reality. See that we are, if we're in Christ, we're no, we're no longer a part of this world, that our citizenship is in heaven, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we're able to live the type of lives you've called us to live. Help us to do that, Lord. If there's anything in our minds or our hearts that is not in line with, with, your, um, with your word and where our understanding is, is wrong somewhere, God, I pray that you just reveal the truth to us. Give us a complete understanding of what it is you want from us. We thank you for hearing our prayers, and we ask it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. All right, so they're going to sing a final song. Um, I'm going to speak the Lord's blessing over you all. I want to uh, just invite you, if you want to pray, you're welcome to come up and pray. Uh, if you want somebody to pray for you, somebody will be up here to do that. If you are sick or anything in your body, we invite you to come forward for that. Uh, we'll anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. And the word tells us the prayer often in faith makes sick people well. We believe that. So if you're sick at all, come forward. We'll anoint you with oil. Uh, if you've got a question about something I've asked, um, or, um, something I've said today, I'll be available for that you know, after church as well. So I'm going to speak the Lord's blessing over you all. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.
Nothing can stand against what a power. 